The Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT has had a number of senior officials leave recently, but there have also been some newcomers to the agency, which oversees policies and standards of the High Tech Act Financial Incentive Program for the Meaningful Use of Electronic Health Records. One of the newest members to join the ONC team is Chief Privacy Officer Lucia Savage. Before joining ONC last month, Lucia was previously Senior Associate General Counsel at Insurer United Healthcare. I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Lucia Savage is joining me today to discuss some of the top health data privacy and security issues that she's planning to tackle at ONC. Hi, Lucia. Hi. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So now the focus of ONC's 10-year vision is on nationwide interoperability and secure health information exchange. What do you see as the biggest privacy and security hurdles to nationwide interoperability and health information exchange? I think the biggest hurdle is that it's very complicated and therefore it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain to the providers as they launch into the brave new world of using their electronic health records. It's hard to make sure that patients understand what's happening and what's not happening with their data. There's myths kind of that need to be cleared away. And and if we could figure out how to simplify what we say when we're explaining privacy to people and, and how to achieve security, then I think we'll find those things happen organically. So now, Lucia, I understand that while you were at United Healthcare, some of your work had you collaborating with health information exchanges and various state agencies. Based on that work, what did you learn about privacy and security challenges that organizations on the front lines are dealing with when it comes to health data? And what are some of those myths that you, you mentioned earlier? So here's a really great example, and I know that uh, my, my collaborator down the hall, the Office of Civil Rights, sort of takes the same approach, which is the rules within HIPAA, which of course are the floor rules, are really, they're agnostic as to how information is being transacted. They are the same for paper, for faxes, for secure emails, for an electronic health record. And that way, the term I use is media agnostic. The rules themselves, they care about who and what, not how not the medium. And I think that as we have grown, in, in my work with the HIEs, one of the things we learned is being able to make that case and talk about um, analogizing informational exchange that occurred in the environment before high-tech and how it was like informational exchange that was occurring in the post-high-tech era really helped people relax a little bit and build trust. So here's an example. Every day for the last 20 or 25 years, health plans have asked providers for patient records so that health plans can fulfill their obligations under the NCQA health plan accreditation rules and HEDIS measures every day. And sometimes it's a nurse going to a doctor's office and opening a manila envelope, which is very resource intensive. And sometimes it's faxing back and forth through a secure fax line. And sometimes maybe more, maybe it will be happening more in an e-health era. It's a nurse who's working on those HEDIS quality measures, accessing the specific patient record they need on audit through a provider's EHR or through a health information exchange partner. No getting in the car, driving down across town and opening a manila folder and then putting a piece of paper on a photocopy machine. So now when it comes to secure and accurate health information exchange that respects patients' privacy wishes, what do you think are bigger obstacles, the policies or the technology issues at this point? 
I think it's the complicated rules environment that is the biggest challenge. And um, let me give a caveat. I'm not suggesting that rules be weakened at all. I'm suggesting that we have a way to simplify how people understand those rules and implement those rules. We have to remember HIPAA is a floor. States can and do enact their own privacy rules. Some states have very proactively created special rules that apply to health information exchange itself. Other states have rules that apply to particular kinds of information that we may need to have it be exchanged to really get to better health outcomes for the patients, but we have to accommodate all the existing rules. I think it's really a rules environment. I think you'll be hearing a lot more about that as we get into our interoperability roadmap, what's technology and what's policy and which ones do we need to change to impact the other one. So now, Lucia, at this point, many healthcare providers are reporting that they're struggling with stage two of the meaningful use program. And as high tech money runs out and the penalties are phased in, how optimistic are you that doctors and hospitals will continue to pursue secure exchange of electronic health data? And is there a danger that they may give up on meaningful use if they see that meeting the various requirements for stage two and perhaps stage three are too difficult? And if they do give up, what is the potential damage to patient privacy and security when it comes to electronic data? So let me answer the first half of your question by telling a little story. As it became apparent that I was going to be given this great opportunity, and I'm so excited to be doing this work, and I started telling my family members about it, the feedback I got from my family members was along the lines of, could you please get rid of the clipboards? When will I have to stop filling out pieces of paper at the doctor's office? And and more of the same, and I, I can't get into the details because obviously... It had to do with people's medical situation. I think that the way in which computing has become ubiquitous for the consumer is really going to start driving how physicians interact with their patients. I know that when I moved here to Washington, I got a chance to find a new physician. And for me, and of course I'm in the know, but for me, finding a physician that I knew used an electronic health record and that would let me email them, those were non-negotiable in terms of my search for a physician. And I think you'll see more of that as the millennials become parents. You know, computers are such an important part of their everyday life, they won't understand why it doesn't apply in this in the healthcare context too. Lucia, moving on to a slightly different topic, some researchers say that on the black market, stolen medical records are more valuable than credit card records. Do you think that most healthcare organizations realize this? And any thoughts about what they should be doing to better protect this data from cyber criminals? I have no idea why medical records would be more important than financial records, but I'll take your word for it. You know, we have some great safe harbor standards already in the way that we've built a set of policies trying to incent people to encrypt at rest and encrypt in motion. And if we can have people really recognize that in our, you know, post-JP Morgan Chase, post-target world, there there is no one who's going to escape hackers It's more about how do we protect the information that the hackers are trying to obtain, and encryption is such an important key to that. I was actually um, thinking about this a couple of days ago with somebody else, and I said, you know, you're talking to a hospital CEO. The first thing you say to them is, what about your reputation? What does your hospital's reputation look like if you go through what J.P. Morgan Chase went through or you go through what Target went through because they didn't maximally protect through encryption and other um, sophisticated techniques the data of their customers? You mentioned decryption, and as major breaches that are reported to OCR has shown, 
encryption is one area where a lot of healthcare providers fall short. And in addition to encryption, another difficulty that healthcare providers seem to have is in doing thorough and timely and complete HIPAA security risk assessments. Why do you think that's the case? To be honest with you, I haven't been here long enough to really know why, and I worked for a very large company that has very sophisticated security systems, so I definitely want to hear more about that from my colleagues here. I do know that we have a fantastic security risk assessment tool available on our website and that we're updating it and trying to teach people how to use it all the time. And again, that sort of prior discussion was use the tool to figure out at least what the little things are that you can do or what we might call the low-hanging fruit, you know, don't load PHI onto an unencrypted laptop. Don't allow people to put it on their thumb drives and walk out of it in their pockets and leave it somewhere with their keys. So there's a little, few things that people can do that are really simple that reduce the risk to the organization, but it's about taking those actions, recognizing those actions through the security risk assessment, and then you know, putting the operational policies in place for your institution that really harvest that low-hanging fruit and reduce your risk. Now, Lucia, you've joined ONC at a time when the agency as well as the high-tech programs are in transition. Funding for high-tech programs is winding down. And as I said earlier, ONC has had some recent turnover in senior leadership positions, including Dr. DeSalvo taking on an additional job with HHS to help with Ebola response and other duties. As a newcomer to ONC, how would you assess the mood there right now? People are very excited about getting our interoperability roadmap done. They are really excited about moving on to the next stage, not just of Meaningful Use Stage 3, but the next stage. We've gotten pretty good adoption of EHRs. Now we want to maximize their usefulness for the patient to make the provider's life more efficient and for the health of the country overall. So I see a lot of excitement and a lot of concentration and focus. Lucia, as you're settling in, what's the first thing on your agenda? Oh, my first thing was get a whiteboard in my office. I like to draw pictures to help me analyze a problem. But joking aside, for me, I I came at a time with a lot of work in progress. And my number one agenda item is to make that, figure out if that work, how that work is relevant for the interoperability roadmap and push it forward. So, for example, we've done work on data segmentation, and you might go, data segmentation, that's for technical people, but actually data segmentation is a really key part of not only what are standards of interoperability, but how we will end up achieving privacy compliance in a computational environment. So um, our job is to connect all that for the rest of the policy advisors in this organization so that the coordinator can make some great decisions. Over the last year, the Privacy and Security Work Group that advises ONC's Health IT Policy Committee revisited the long-overdue accounting of disclosures rule, which was mandated under high tech. Any sense of when, if ever, we'll see a new proposed rule come out of HHS on this? And I think ONC was going to be doing some pilots on that. Any any status report? I don't have a status report today. I'm sorry. Thanks, Lucia. I've been speaking to Lucia Savage, new ONC Chief Privacy Officer. I'm Marianne Kolbasik-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.